Hey, Dan, should I distribute 8% of my portfolio each year in retirement? Only if you want to be broke in less than 20 years. Welcome to Please Bests, where we talk about unsustainable financial behaviors. Okay, I'm a little confused because I don't know what the hell George is doing doing a 3% withdrawal rate because that's absolutely wrong. I don't, I'm don't. i going to have to find out where that video is and get it taken down because um, that's just wrong. You don't need to have a 3% withdrawal rate. That's ridiculous. Um, or I hope you misunderstood. I hope we didn't put out trash like that. Was maybe, it 4 to 5%? Like maybe, the- No, it shouldn't be 4 to 5%. It ought to be more than that. I mean, if you're well, making then- 12 in good mutual funds, and the S&P is average 11.8, and if inflation for the last 80 years is average 4%, if you make 12 and you need to leave 4% in there for inflation raises, that leaves you 8. So I'm perfectly comfortable drawing 8, but if you want to be a little bit conservative, 7, but sure not 5 or 3. I'm Dan, and no, you cannot distribute 8% of your portfolio annually in retirement and retire safely. I'm Jess, and I pretty much knew that. But tell us, Dan, what's the big deal with an 8% distribution rate? Besides the fact that Dave Ramsey is an idiot and refuses to not use numbers that he pulled out of his ass in the 90s. (laughs) I was going to say, like pulling out a gun at a staff meeting, but here's works too. Uh, Dave's famously genteel working environment. So before we go any further, I want to give a little background. As financial planners, when we talk about safe withdrawal rates, what we're talking about is how much you can withdraw from your portfolio each year in retirement as a percentage and still keep your money chugging along. The idea is that you're able to pull what you need for expenses, but have enough left over that your investments can still grow each year, assuming they're invested appropriately. Anything you want to add to this brief description, Dan? Uh, yeah, and, and this is pure finance nerd stuff, but an important element of that description is that the endpoint can substantially affect what's considered a safe rate and how much you need to have saved. So whether your intention is to just die with zero dollars or die with the money you started with or die with more money than you started with, the safe rate can change substantially based on that goal alone. Gotcha. So now that we've covered the basics, Dan, tell us, what is the problem here with an 8% withdrawal rate? Uh, An 8% withdrawal rate or distribution rate is simply an unsustainably high distribution rate. There's essentially no empirical research that shows that you can predictably and safely distribute 8% of a portfolio annually without spending down the portfolio unless there's other streams of income that are replenishing and growing the portfolio. Oh, other streams. So you're good if you buy a bunch of rental properties or maybe start an empire where you yell at people for spending their money. Deep sigh, just deep sigh. (laughs) All right. Well, so if 8% isn't a safe distribution rate, what is actually a safe distribution rate? You'll hear a lot of people throw out the quote unquote 4% rule, which isn't actually a rule. It's a research finding. And also it's not 4% all the time. Uh, Bill Bengen, uh, I I concede the pronunciation, by the way. Uh, Bill Bengen, who came up with the original 4% rule, keeps changing the number as he updates his figures over time. And other researchers have come up with their own version of the number. Uh, Coincidentally, Morningstar is saying that it's about 4% this year, but last year it was 3.8%. And the year before that in 2021, it was 3.3%. That might give you a hint as to how useless this quote unquote rule actually is. So it's not 4% either. What number can anyone use? 
The problem isn't that it isn't 8% or 4%, so much as that there's no magical number other than zero. Theoretically, if you don't spend any money in retirement, then you won't run out of money. But since that's useless in practice, here's the real problem. Sustainable retirement distribution rates, in fact, any sustainable retirement distribution rate is going to be based on a set of assumptions. For example, I might run a financial planning analysis that assumes that good inflation, like cost of living adjustments to Social Security, will be 2.5%, while bad inflation, like cost of living, might be 4.5% per year. And from that, arrive at a required rate of return based on an expectation of your life expectancy and your current lifestyle costs. And from that, I might come up with a figure for a client, such as you can distribute $50,000 a year and adjusted for inflation. But that statement is assuming that their cost of living adjustments will be 25 half percent over the long term, that inflation will be no worse than 4.5% over the long term, and that the market will be reasonably stable over the term of their retirement. So what, financial planners are just making it up? Is that wrong? Absolutely, Jess. We are all (laughs) making it up. No, I mean, we're only insofar as any financial professional has to use assumptions to make predictions like any other professional in the business of making predictions. The fact of the matter is that an analysis like the one I just described is going to be subject to a ton of risks that are simply hard to control against. Yeah. So like inflation risk, interest rate risk, sequence of returns risk, or Ticketmaster becoming a world monopoly and charging in fees for every transaction risk. Uh, You're going to need to pay a fee for that comment. Uh, (laughs) That said, you are correct. And there are certain financial tools available that can help protect against certain risks or some of those risks, kind of piece by piece. But there's essentially no guarantee or free lunch out there to assure anyone that the retirement savings will last them for an indefinite period of time. Okay, so what about more complex methods of estimating sustainable retirement income distributions? Uh, you know, an example might be something like the Geitenklinger uh, distribution. And the secret sauce of that type of analysis, which is very complicated and fancy and sophisticated, is that it's solving for one problem while ignoring another. So, for example, uh, that Geitenklinger analysis, uh, it suggests that you can have a distribution rate above 5% a year if you have at least 65% of your investment in assets and equities. However, in part, it accomplishes that by using guardrails to give you a pay raise if markets are good or a pay cut if markets are bad. That's obviously a problem because while you might be able to ensure you never run out of money by simply pay cutting yourself into poverty, that doesn't help account for the purchasing power of your dollars or your fixed cost of living. Exactly. I mean, if I promise only ever to distribute 99% of the balance of my portfolio every year, I'll technically always have 1% left over at the end. So all these series are basically worthless then? I wouldn't say worthless. It's I just say that it's probably a scenario for portfolio preservation that ignores the realistic needs of the people who might actually need to use it. What's the solution then? What can people actually rely on in retirement? Uh, I don't think anyone can guarantee themselves a perfect retirement. They can only set expectations appropriately and with a well-informed understanding or a professional who can help them with their understanding. Uh, Let's use two examples, a 100% probability-based risk premium approach to retirement and a 100% contractually guaranteed approach to retirement. English for the rest of us, please, Dan. Uh, So we'll call it a pure investment portfolio versus a pure pension or annuity? Correct. So financial history and all the data we have about risk premiums and returns would suggest that an optimal financial outcome for any retiree would be to have a very aggressive investment portfolio that's either entirely or at least a majority of stocks and equity assets rather than cash or fixed income assets or investments. And over the long term, this should, emphasis on should, 
yield the most rate of return and the most wealth for the investor. But obviously people don't do that because of the huge risks it presents, like sequence of return risk. Uh, yes. And you've brought that one up a couple of times. Can you explain quickly for people who aren't aware what sequence of return risk is? Sure. Yeah. Sequence of return risk recognizes the timing of big market downturns in your retirement can have a huge impact on your retirement outcome. So imagine retiring in 2007 versus retiring in 2009. You'd have gone into retirement about to lose a huge chunk of your portfolio versus going into retirement, still having lost a chunk, um, but with now the power of hindsight, right? Being on the precipice of almost a decade of uninterrupted positive market growth. Exactly. And that risk is what something like a 100% contract-based or annuity-based or pension-based retirement is trying to solve for. Let's just take all the market uncertainty out of it and have a fixed outcome and a fixed income rather than a potentially more profitable and probable but not guaranteed outcome. But that also brings up the issue of inflation risk. Let's say you save super well your whole life and then go buy one big annuity to guarantee you a lifetime of income. The income level will be fixed for retirement and may include an annual cost of living adjustment. But if inflation goes through the roof, even for a couple of years, your purchasing power might evaporate. I mean, the cost of gas and eggs doubles in six months and suddenly I'm eating cat food living out in a van in the desert. (laughs) Uh, I thought that was your dream life. I'm a dog person, Dan. Daisy and I would never. Never mind what what other Dan would actually want. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, van dreams aside, uh, yes, to your point, that is the problem. Uh, There's no perfectly safe withdrawal rate system or strategy that can solve for all the potential problems out there. So back to expectations. People need to either know the risks of a particular approach, like a Geitenklinger, or a 4% withdrawal rate, or 8% if we're going crazy, um, or they need to have a plan that involves some hedging, right? such as putting some money into guaranteed options. There's always some level of guaranteed income, but also keeping some money in the market to hedge against the risks that the guaranteed options can't account for. And even then, you can never fully eliminate risks. You can only decide how much tolerance you have for protecting yourself against them or accepting them in return for the optimism that it'll work out well for you. Well, I guess if you want to spin a wheel and pick a retirement distribution system, go for it. Or you can do your homework, work with a professional, pick a strategy you can stick to, and cross your fingers. Fleece Fests is produced by Daniel Yerker and Jessica Gettle. Daniel Yerger is an investment advisor representative of My Wealth Planners, a registered investment advisor in Colorado, and Jessica Gettle is an investment advisor representative of Pavilion Financial Planning, a registered investment advisor in Pennsylvania. Our theme song is Dr. Yes by Yari. Nothing discussed in this podcast is investment advice or any other form of advice, and the podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. If you make investments or other financial decisions because of the podcast, frankly, you weren't listening. Jess, I have a solution for us. Uh Uh-oh. Have you ever heard of the IUL? Oh, God, fuck. (laughs) I heard about that on TikTok. And everyone knows what's on TikTok is always true.